I'm a very confident front runner. I've for 33 years, 145 wins now, and that's the best win I've ever had. I have no idea what you have. I don't know. I'm, how are we going to count all the shots? Do you, I, I can't keep track. I don't think he's pleased. Of course I would. That's a, that's a particularly stupid question. It's the Irish Open. Of course I want to play at the weekend. Hey guys, how you doing? It is Joe here. Hope you're keeping well. Hope you're enjoying the weather. Hope you're playing some golf. Look, something a bit different uh, for today's podcast, a bit of a breather maybe in the golfing season. We avoided a Jordan Spieth emergency pot on Monday by the skin of our teeth at the weekend. Big Jason Coe cracked his thing. He was pretty impressive, actually. Jordan, not so good on the uh, Sunday. Uh, this week is Memorial. Newly renovated, should be kind of interesting. Jack's tournament, obviously. Rory is playing after skipping the Pro-Am and his media duties on uh, Wednesday. So we'll chat about that next week. Myself and Peter Laurie on duty today uh, with Jean van der Velde. So Jean van der Velde, uh, this is pretty interesting. We've just uh, spoken to him. Peter has run off to get his vaccination, COVID vaccination, which is kind of a, a cool thought that it's uh, coming within touching distance for uh, all of us, really. So Van der Velde, look, this is kind of terrible. I mean, for Van der Velde, it just means the 99 open, doesn't it? And I don't know, I'm curious, do you think of it as the Paul Laurie open or the Van der Velde open? For me, it's the Van der Velde open. And I'm, we must uh, try and set up an interview with Paul Laurie at some stage. I think it's a weird one for him as well. Obviously, Jean Van der Velde uh, must hate being asked about it all the time. But even for Paul Laurie, I often think, you know, he must be chatting to casual golf fans and they must be like, oh, you won the Open. Which one was that again? Oh, the Van der Velde one. And he must be thinking, well, fuck you, the Van der Velde one. It's actually the Paul Laurie one. I won and I still played great golf. And yet, I, I don't remember the playoff that well. I know he has a great iron shot in, Paul Laurie. But I mean, it pales in comparison to the memory of Van der Velde's 18, doesn't it? Uh, which again, is completely unfair on the two of them. They're kind of linked in this uh, weird way. So guess that's what happens when 300 million people watch it worldwide. Uh, Van der Velde to jog your memory, because obviously I didn't need to restate all this to him in the interview. He was 152nd in the world that week, and he led basically all week. Gets to 18 with a not one, not two, but three-shot lead. He's plus three. The conditions are horrific at Carnoustie. He's got a three-shot lead, double bogey, and the open is yours. And he's been playing great all week. He has birdied. 18 in the third round and the second round and yet double bogey is all he needs makes a seven third shot in particular is a killer he's in messy horrible rough he's about 64 yards from the green could have gone sideways maybe i guess is the point everyone makes instead he took it on into barry Byrne, and he's suddenly with his shoes off and his socks off and peter alice says oh no he's lost his marbles and he has to take a drop four fifth greenside bunker and uh, the rest is history. And so it goes to a playoff, which Paul Larry wins. So uh, we do ask him about it. We don't start with it. So I know I, I said last week on the pod, this could be like an elephant in the room. You're wondering the whole time, when will they get to it? We do get to it. We do get to it, but we don't go straight there. And he's pretty interesting on it, to be fair. It's not something that haunts him or he said, I'm not talking about it. Nothing like that at all. And of course, he's much more besides. He turned pro when he was 20, 21. That was in 1987, obviously a very cool era on the European tour. You've got the, the Magic Five. He played Irish Opens at Port Marnock, 
He remembers those. He won on tour, first uh, Frenchman to win on the European tour in 93. He, after 99, played great golf is the thing you can forget. He was on the PGA Tour then 2000 and 2001, ruined his knee skiing in 02 and had like knee reconstruction in 05. And so that's going to uh, dent things a little bit. And he was at the Ryder Cup in Brookline, which I'd sort of forgotten. And uh, a bit like Pearl Andrew Coltart, he didn't get the nod from Mark James on the Friday or the Saturday, and he was thrown out on Sunday against Davis Love the third and lost six and five. So we chat a bit about the Ryder Cup as well. Uh, he's not of the opinion that he should have been rested on the, the Friday and the Saturday. You won't be surprised to hear. So it's all coming your way. Hopefully you enjoy this chat. I think it's a very good one. And uh, he was really, really good with his time. Really lovely fella. Peter, Laurie, obviously Peter. Peter and John, uh, they genuinely were are good mates, by the way. We should. It's a pity we didn't hit record straight away because when they saw each other, real warmth there. They obviously got on uh, genuinely very well. Peter was saying afterwards when I was chatting to him, they were, you know, genuinely mates more than just kind of acquaintances. So um, it was nice to see they still had that uh, warmth. Anyway, I am nattering on here a bit too much. That's the general context. Here is a bit of Jean Van de Velde. Enjoy, Jean. Great to have you with us. How you doing? I'm doing very well. Um, thank you for having me uh, on the podcast. And um, how are you doing? How's things in Ireland? Are we going to come and visit you soon in Bengal? Oh, hope so. Hope so. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> so let's get to the, the big question the listeners want an answer to more than anything. When you're playing on tour on a Thursday, Friday, when you were drawn with Peter Laurie, did you just think to yourself, oh, shit, oh, no. Well, I, no, no, no. Um, even worse because I knew that uh, I was in for a run. So, uh, you know, with his uh, uh, lovely, friendly demeanor, you, you knew that you, you were in for, for a serious context, uh, contest. So um, uh, at the end of the day, everybody say, oh, you're not really playing against them. Well, you know, if the guy is three or four strokes ahead of you, you know, that's, that's one who's ahead of you and it's going to be hard to catch. So, yeah, he was an incredible competitor. Uh, incredible around the greens as well, and and when he was on, you know, he wasn't backing off for a fight. So um, it was always uh, always good to play with him, to play against him, and and more importantly, you know, I always considered him as a friend. We always had a, a good relationship, a very open one, a very um, a frank relationship, I should say. Um, there was no BS added to it, and and he was. Uh, it was actually refreshing because there's quite a few that you, you need a translator sometimes. John, I, I've been telling these guys quite a bit about guys on tour. And all of us, every so often I hear this, and that's the lawyers knocking. Um, because we're on a podcast, we can't really of say course. too much, but I kind of, of stretch the boundaries as much as I possibly can. So when they told me Jean was coming on, I said, yeah, Jean's a lovely fella, lovely fella. But when the, you'll notice when there's not a nice guy, I, I, I'm sometimes not on the podcast. <laughs> you go, so I'm happy you're here. I take that as a compliment. Exactly. <laughs> Peter, that was the nicest thing anyone's ever said about you there from John. I know. I have a tear coming to my eye right now. Uh, it's okay. I'll send you a few tissues of it, you know. John, you turned professional. We want to chat to you a bit about your career. You turned professional in 1987 as a 21-year-old. Were you a big talent? Were you a hot prospect? You played golf all your life, clearly. 
Yeah, I started golf very young when I was six, and you're right. I was I was not quite 21 years old. I was just shy of 21, but I was uh, yeah, I was a, a good you know. I, I follow golf as a was a Sunday sport basically, and and mm-hmm. more of a spring and summer and autumn. And, and in the winter, I, I dedicated most of my time as a, as a young kid uh, skiing a lot. I come from the southwest of France. I skied an hour and an hour away from my home, and and I was playing golf 10 minutes away from the house. So. Uh, I was very, uh, very lucky uh, as a kid. Then uh, in France at the time, you had to do the, the military service, you know, to, to join the army for one year. But uh, because I was already a national champion in the junior in the under 21, um, I joined a special section and I played golf pretty much all year long. Uh, you know, I was mixing with the tennis players and the footballers and whatever. So we, we really have a special ground there for us. And yeah, and I became, uh, I played very well that year as an amateur to the point where I had um, uh, quite a, I had five scholarships offered to me in America. And then I decided not to go that route and, and to turn professional and, and to dive into it straight away. Wow. So 20 years old I was, and I mean, 20 years and six months. Your first win was six years later, 1993. Am I right in saying you were the first French man to ever win on the European tour? Yes. Yes, wow. uh, there, there was other Frenchmen. I mean, Jean Garriard won national tournament in, in Sweden, in one in France, and but that, the the European tour wasn't formed at the, formed at the time. Mm. So that's a pretty successful early twenties to twenties. You're obviously obviously got to grips with the European tour. What was your lifestyle like? I mean, at, at that stage, was it kind of hopping in cars and driving all around Europe and not much money or or was it, yeah, it was still those days? No, I was, I was, yeah, there was, I mean, there was not much money, I guess. Yeah. Golf was uh, a little bit more confidential and it's true that the money to grab has has got no comparison with today, but I think every generation can say that. I was very lucky to be, uh, I had a a mentor and, uh, and basically somebody who had me from the beginning, and that was Mr. Big, you know, the Baron Big, uh, the pens and shavers and, and lighters. And, and he, you okay. know, he, he, he had faith in me and he, and he sponsored me straight away. And, and he made my life, I have to say, on, on the financial side, uh, very, very easy, meaning that, uh, as he said, you know, I don't want you to feel any pressure that, that you have straight away to perform, to put some food on your plate. So when you... When you come across with a man like that, uh, I guess it, it gives you the, the confidence as a youngster. And there was a lot of things we did as well outside the golf course. Uh, so he, he really, really uh, put me on the trajectory nice. that I will always be grateful grateful to that. What an exciting time on the European Tour with those amazing yeah. players of that era. Can you give us a sense of, I don't know, any memories of playing with the likes of Seve or Langer or Faldo or Woosnam? I mean, it was just in- incredible. I'm sure you've got some great stories about these guys. Yeah, I got, I got a few ones who, who are actually censored, but um, the, <laughs> in my, my first tournament as a card holder, basically, uh, it was in the Canary Island and uh, I, I, I started off like a bullet train. Uh, I was like, I don't know, 10 and after two rounds. And I was lying second, and who was lying first was Woozy. So, so you here at 22 years old, and you play basically on you. Not my first European tour, but uh, as a card holder, yeah, as a, as a full member, my first one. Anyhow, I was in the company of of the great uh, Ian Woosnam. So you know, I come from a, a country we was was doing a lot better. You can see with the results, and there's a lot more Frenchmen who have gone through the ranks, but. 
at the time he was only three of us on the European tour. And, and I have to say, um, we were not, uh, we were not made the, the most welcome. <laughs> there was not too many people talking to us, except, except some continental, but on, on the other side of, of the pond, it was sometimes a little more complicated, but it's okay. You know, it's a, it's a healthy rivalry and, mm -hmm. and it's it kind of thickened your skin straight away. But that, that was great. You know, a few months later, uh, I went to play to Port Monarch, um, where I actually asked my caddy where there were two bunkers on the first hole at 180 yards. I soon realized why they were there for um, on the <laughs> Sunday. Because I drive a driver on the first hole, which you can almost, you will drive it on the green nowadays with, with modern technology and you probably wouldn't need a driver. And I couldn't, I couldn't reach the green. So, so that, that year I played, uh, I played with Langer actually uh, on the Saturday um, and, you know, uh, master champion and you were like, wow. And, and a few months later I played with my, uh, with my God, I played with Sevi the third round at the, at the Swiss Open. So, um, you know, you put all this uh, together, you add it up. And, and as just a young kid uh, dreaming of one day, uh, you know, when I was 12, 13 years old, uh, my parents were taking me right, left and center to see any type of exhibition exhibition Sevi mm -hmm. was in. So um, you get to play with him and, and feeling like, uh, even if you feel very intimidated because it's, it's natural to me, um, you feel like, hey, you know, I own my right to be here. I, I also have my car. Okay, I don't have these pedigrees. So <laughs> there's no doubt about it, but I'm going to try to do and, and more importantly, learn the, the most that I can over the, those experiences. So, yeah, I, as, as for the anecdotes, that will come in the next post, uh, podcast, if you don't mind. Okay. No, that's okay. That's okay. And like, so say somebody like a Sevi or a Langer when you're a young player, would you have good conversations with them or were they tunnel vision? I'm not really in the no, mood to talk to you, kid. No, 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 no they, they, they were in the mood to talk to me. I mean, wow. you, you, you got to remember as well, you know, I, I mean, Sevi was, was born and, and lived uh, about 250 kilometers away from me, 200, uh, because I was born next to the Spanish border. So, you know, my, one of my very, very close friends has always been on Azabal and we, we born 30 kilometers from each other. And we're the same age. So there was no problem. As for Langer, it was the same. You know, okay, when, when you're on the course, it's it's about you know what you have to do and perform and it's about business. But at the same time, we, we had a lot of things to share. Um, we come from the same side of the uh, of Europe, and Langer was, you know, I mean, is an incredible player, but mm. as well, there was not that many Germans when, when we started on tour. You know, you, you had the Heinz Peter tool afterwards, the Gideon. And, and then the, the youngest generation came along, but it was only one or two guys out there. So we had a lot of things in common. Um, but um, yeah, it was, uh, they, were, they were just yeah, very open, you know. I mean, at the end of the day, when, when you're on the golf course, Peter will say it's, it's no, matter, no matter what kind of discussion you have, the, the clubs are talking, you know. It's, uh, you compare the score at the end of the, of the round and, and I, I don't think they felt very threatened by me. <laughs> Here, here's an unfair question, but these great players, these great games, difficult to pick one because they're all great in so many ways. Whose game were you most envious of or whose game did you admire the most getting to play with these great players? Which one left the biggest impression on you and why? Uh, there's a lot of them, I have to say. I mean, Sevi for, you know, for his brio, for his, not cavalier approach, but he, he, he was an inspiration. Wherever he was, it, it, it didn't matter. And, and 
what I loved about him is that, you know, sometimes you see you see great players going through a slum and, and you can see the uh, the body language and 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 Sevi was just taking it like like yeah like he should take it you know he took nothing for granted from the golf side of things uh, he could hit it all over the place and he will he will to me he he will walk the same way he will you know uh, hold himself the same way um, I remember late in his career I was drawn with him at the French Open at the National and the tennis hall is a very short hole you, know, you can hit it a three iron and a wedge, probably, you know, in the summer. Uh, and then there's a, there's a nine saw, which is parallel on the left, but in between there's a lake that's about, you know, 200 meters long, but it's 60 meters wide. He hit an iron and he hit it left of the lake with an iron, which, which is, you know, which, which is a considerable miss. I, he was I played on the that week. I played that week. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember. played with him. It was probably one of on Sammy's the... last years. Exactly, and, it, and the rough was the rough was probably knee high, though, wasn't it? Yes, exactly, and he and he happened to be on the fairway, and from there he hit an eight iron or seven or six. I yeah. don't know. It was so far. I mean, he, we saw him fifteen minutes later, and he hit it to about a foot, and he made three. So that did not happen on every hole, but you know, he was, you know, he hit that shot. He hit that shot, and 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 for that, that was incredible. Uh, Langer was. You know, he, he, he was a genius, a genius of, of getting ready, of preparation. His iron play, um, uh, young man, I was still an amateur, I was 17 years old. I carried in an exhibition match in Paris for Trevino when we played against Langer. I, I had never seen a guy hit iron shots like that. Um, Trevino as well was a, was an incredible character. Um, you know, wow, his name them all, uh, Jack Nicholson. You know, you I, I think that you. I mean, I admire players as well, not for you know for what they have, for what they bring, and and that's why I love the the, the game of golf is mm. because you know you can be great from the tee to the green, you can be better around the uh, around the greens, you can have a better head, you can have a better physique. I think uh, it's uh, what I really, what I'm really passionate about the game of golf is that it's it's a sport for everyone. You know, you don't have to be tall, you be short, you can be big, you can be lean, you can be flexible, not flexible, whatever it is. It does it doesn't matter your gender, whatever. It's uh, it's out there for the for the grab, and I, I love that. And I'm curious, with Langer, I hear about his iron play a lot. It's harder on television to differentiate between Langer's iron play and another player's iron play. What was it about Langer's irons in, in person that was so impressive? Well, I mean, he, he, I mean, one of the anecdotes we had on tour when Peter Coleman was getting for him and he got it for him for over 20 years. Uh, at one stage, uh, you know, Langer always check his, like pretty much all of us, we always have our yard book as well and we always check and, and and Coleman told him it's 186 from that sprinkler, and 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 Langer said, or you know that, that the myth is, is that having said, uh, is that from the front of the sprinkler or the back of the yeah, sprinkler? Yeah, per this, yeah. So, but but really, when I remember vividly, uh, that was 1986, and we played in Saint Cloud, uh, that exhibition match, uh, and uh, out of the 18 holes, he probably hit it six or seven times within three feet. Within three feet. I mean, I, I guess, you know, he was playing well. <laughs> I realized that. <laughs> but it, it was a five iron, a three iron, uh, you know, short iron. 
uh, although it's impressive, okay, fine, you know, with a wedge, you understand that. But over eight iron, you know, it's, uh, and there was probably, you know, 80% of those shots were between a, a seven iron and a three iron. And I was like, wow, uh, there's still a, a long way to go. <laughs> and, and is there still a long way to go? I'm afraid I'm running out of it. <laughs> Peter, who was Are you most... still playing? Sorry. Very little, Peter. I, I you know, I, I no, I, I will say that I've decided to try to play a few more tournaments, but that's if the current situation allows it. Um, but um, no, I've been I've been busy doing other things, and you know, once I stop, I was fortunate to, as you know, to run the French Open for a little while, and uh, and that really, uh, you know, uh, opened opened some other side of of my thinking, and and ever since I've been stimulated in in different projects. Okay, very good. Do you know this man Joe gave me an invite into the French Open? Ah. You know, yeah. well, I gave it to you because you deserve it and because you're a good yeah. asset to any tournament around. Yeah. That's, no. that's why I went to I went to the qualifying and I pulled out after a round and a half because we got delayed, rain delayed or whatever. So I was going to miss yeah, the flight. It was awful. And then I got a phone call from John to say, "I'll give you an invite." So, there you go. Nice gesture. Yeah, the, the, no, but the thing is, you know, uh, as Peter knows the trick, he, if he would have pulled it off during uh, during the qualifying, I, I had that still that invite in hand to to give it yeah, some yeah. to someone else who who obviously was was needing it, and you know, there's no, nobody will know that, but technically, if if I give an invite to Peter, the week later. Uh, it comes in through another category because of whatever there is. That invite doesn't come back to me. It goes to the next one on the list, uh, which is okay. Mm. You can understand that. But but sometimes, you know, you and and this has happened uh, after entry close. You you have a one of the big guys who calls and say, you know what, I want to add your tournament to the schedule for many reasons for for Ryder right. Cup points. Uh, because he still has a chance to qualify for the Open, whatever it is. So you, you kind of hold on to them as yes. long as you can. At your debut at the Masters, you finished in the top 20, which is yeah. very impressive for somebody who'd never really played the Thank course you. before. I understand you played practice rounds with Langer and with your friend Alatabal. And they obviously knew the secrets. You know, we, we see them there time and time again, year after year. They understand that course. Is it possible for you, can you explain what did they show you about the course that week that allowed yeah. you to finish in the top 20? What were the secrets for Augusta? Well, Monday I played with uh, with Sevi and uh, Olazabal and Jimenez, actually. Wow. You know, I, I once I knew I qualified for the Masters through the Open the, year, the previous year, the following week, basically two weeks later, I went to ask them if I could have a practice run with them. And so they said yes, uh, and so did Langer. Uh, I, I wanted to have a feel of the course because sometimes uh, when you discover a golf course, the, the, the biggest thing is to try to analyze it as fast as you can to know where to miss and not where to miss. And, you know, sometimes the, uh, what, what really um, jump at you is not necessarily the truth. I, I take the whole like 11, for example. If, if the pin is on the front edge on 11, you do not back on the right-hand side. You do not hit the ball pin I right or pass the hole uh, right. If anything, you leave it short because you, you have a, a chip that's going to be up the hill and you don't bring that huge mound because you don't really see it on TV, but just on the right of the green, 
on the first 10 yards of those of that green, there's a huge mount and, and, and the ball gathers speed and, and the only thing you see and the only place where it will go, it's in the water. So um, it's, you know, you're better off actually being in two in the water than being in three. That's uh, always been my, my, my way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, or like uh, 13, uh, you know, it wasn't the same tee that it is now but anyway the that forward tee you could you could hit it more in in the turn and and really when you arrived there you you had the ball who was pretty much you know in very very much uh, above your feet and and basically between your ankle and and, and you and your knees but you you got to I remember playing with Langer and he says Jean if you ever have a long iron for that green never never aim right because on the on the not very lofted club, the, the ball will not generate as much curve from right to left than it will if you if you play from the same slope with an eight iron or a seven iron. Uh, so you know little tricks like this and 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 wondering you know where the pin positions are going to be because also I had uh, at the time um, Jimmy Johnson who's now carrying uh, for. Um, uh, getting for anyway, he was getting for Nick Price at the time, uh, and um, is uh, he, he knew exactly where, where the pins were going to be. But uh, when you have the reassurance from from the you know the masters or on the short game like like the like of Sevi and Nolasaba and said, okay, you know, pin is here. This is this is definitely where you want to be. I said, really, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, you can imagine the shot and and say, yeah, you can use that slope here. You can come back here. Jimmy Johnson is getting for Justin Thomas now. Um, so, so, you know, obviously you, you need somebody with experience. And, uh, you know, when you approach a hole like 12, it's not a myth. You know, you, you, you wait for that, for that flag to blow a, a certain way. There's only one shot you're going to hit there. You, you never look at that flag when it's uh, on the right-hand side of, of the front bunker. Everything to the right is, mm. is irrelevant. You, you always try to find... Uh, the same part of the green so you you have to be um yeah you, you have to be thorough about what you're trying to do and and you have to be uh, uh, very very good no matter how well you play uh, incredibly good uh, mm-hmm. around the greens and with your short game you you need to bring your imagination on uh, are you a football fan uh, more of a rugby fan but yeah i love I football because um mick mccarthy was the Ireland manager for a time. Mm -hmm. And in 2002, he had this huge fight with Roy Keane, our best player at the World Cup, and Roy Keane had to go home. And it's this huge thing in Ireland, massive, massive story. And I was talking to Mick McCarthy a while back, and he was saying, whenever he meets somebody, in his own head, he's thinking, I wonder how long before they will ask me about 2002 and Roy Keane. You know, he, he wonders how long before they get gray. Yeah, I know you know where I'm going. See, and it, it was funny. And I'm and in advance of talking to you, I thought Jean van Veld must have this sense as well when he meets people, when he does interviews with idiots like me, how long before they get brave enough to bring wow. up 99? How do you how do you feel about that aspect now that I it's feel, mentioned I, to you? I feel very happy people still remember about it, you know. I and mm. as I get older, I'm 55 now, it kind of fades away. I don't know if it's age or denial or whatever. Or no, what I'm to, uh, at the end of the day, listen, there's what happened on Sunday and what happened on the 18th was something that doesn't happen every day. You don't see that. No, no matter no matter how you want to discuss the choice of the club, the strategy, uh, that that's irrelevant. I mean, you know, hitting the 
a piece of metal in a grandstand, which is the size of the golf ball, uh, the ball coming back straight at your face uh, from 220 or 15 yards, that's quite unlikely. Then the ball goes straight in the hazard, land on the stone and go back another 40 yards, basically buries itself in the rough. Uh, with with uh, basically this way, with the grass lying that way, because it's been blowing at 40 kilometers an hour for about a week, and the grass was about a meter over a meter high, so it was leaning. You know, this kind of thing is is quite. You, you, again, you don't you you might see it once in a while, but definitely not on the last hole of a major championship. But the guy is actually leading it by a few. Um, now, the fact of the matter, there was about 250 million people watching on TV. And I said, up until I, I meet them all, I guess, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to hear about it. Once I meet the 250 million, I think I'll be fine. <laughs> because I, I give an explanation or an insight to all of them. And, and then we can move on. But it's going to take about three or four lifetimes, I think. I hadn't realized you had birdied 18 the two previous rounds. I didn't realize that yeah. until today. It, it, so it's not like on the 18th. T on the Sunday, you were thinking, oh, I hate this damn hole. No, but I don't. <laughs> the thing is, you know, if you open the list of the hole you hate in Connors, you hate in, uh, in uh, when you play the open and it's with, when it's blowing 40 miles an hour, the list is very long. Sure. I can They're promise you that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or more than difficult. Because you, uh, you, you were, you were pl- people may not realize if they're a bit younger, you were plus three and leading the tournament by three and you were plus three. That shows how crazy that Carnoustie Open was. Right. I mean, I mean, I, I can't remember what the cut was, but, uh, but by shooting 281s or 282, you, you, you qualify for the weekend. So, uh, and, and you have the, 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 the creme de la creme, the best players in the world there. So, you know, some of them did not play very well, but there's a lot who came in who were playing okay. Uh, having said that, uh, yes, Carnusti is a beast, and I, I birdie the, the first two round, uh, or the second and third round, yeah. uh, 18. Yeah. Um, but you know that if the, if the wind changes, then it's going to be a nightmare. To, to give you an idea, I hit driver three wood on, on 17 every day, and I hit two iron wedge on 18. Uh, uh, sorry, the first three days, two iron wedge on 18. And, and the last day we were hitting driver three iron. Okay. okay. Uh, so so the, 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 I hit a six iron on the 16th hole on Saturday, 265 yards on that par three on the back edge. And on Sunday we were hitting three wood to make the green. <laughs> so, oh. you know, you're not playing quite the same golf course, okay. uh, but that's that's what's fun, and that's what it's about. You know, it's about pushing your limits and see see how you can perform when when you're under that kind of pressure. That mm. that to me, anyway, that was that was the only thing that one of the things I love the most about golf is not to be in your comfort zone. If you're in the comfort zone, it's no, it's it's when you push and it's when you you have to. Uh, to try to bring the, the best out of you, although although your demons and, and everything is going through your head. So, yeah. You were 152nd, I was reading, ranked in the world, going into that Open. You obviously played some exceptional golf to be in the position you were in on 18. And you mentioned all the different variables which kicked into play across that hole, some really unlucky breaks. Did you get hit with a sudden attack of nerves on the 18th? Was that part of it? No. No, there was no nerve at all. I mean, there's uh, at the contrary, you know, I, I hit a poor tee shot, but I hit a poor tee shot on 15 
um, and I mean, poor, you know, he was offline. Um, I, I mean, sadly, he didn't go into that burn and in the water because if he would have gone into the burn, I would have dropped shorter and I would have had no chance to reach the green and probably the game would have been over because then you hit whatever at the front and, and again on the green. So, no, the nerves, I was very nervous starting on Sunday. I mean, you know, ask uh, anybody uh, who's been in that position and, and leading a major. Um, you, you you like doing a great action. It's like the toast, you know. You 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 flipped over in the bed like this uh, all night long, and you don't yeah. sleep much. Um, but so yes, nervous at the beginning I was, uh, and then you know you you play and and you realize it's tough for everyone. Uh, I guess I was lucky to be caught by, by my playing partner Craig Perry on the. He caught me basically on the 11 so but he, he was you know uh, making ground and and that was uh, the, the the push that i needed i think to um to try to 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 bring it to uh, to the finish line and i said to my caddy if i play the last six holes you know after what happened to craig perry on on 11 where he triple bogey from just missing the fairway by by, by a few inches mm. tried to make too much out of the second then then he swift the third he didn't even touch the ball and then whatever. I mean, we we, we know we've, we've all seen it, but I'm saying, you know, if if I bring it with uh, with the next six holes in in the par, I mean, was it six holes, five holes, whatever, mm. uh, six holes? Uh, I said the game is over, uh, and I managed, you know, to have only pars and a birdie on the par five. Mm. So I was I was ahead of the uh, of the game plan, and yeah. and then 18 came along. Were you tempted on your because I've heard you say the third is maybe the one you kind of regret the most yeah. and st- go out sideways instead of bringing the water into play and all that. Yeah, without a doubt, you know. Yeah. I, did you, I, did, was that a big, because I don't, I, I mean, I've seen the highlights. I, I was a bit young maybe, but did you have a big conversation or dilemma about that third shot or did you decide pretty early, I'm going to try and hit this at the green? Yeah, I tried pretty early. Uh, yeah. And, you, you know, it goes very fast. I mean, you, you don't have the whole week to think about it. And the, the lie was so bad, so bad that, even chipping it sideways, I was, I was sure, like 99% sure, I was going to make the fairway. The ball was going to stay in the rough because you, you can't, you know, the, the, the fairway was 19 yards wide. So you come from 10 yards aside. I mean, you know, the contact, how is the contact? What's going to happen? Am I going to hit the okay. ball? Am I going to hit a lot of grass? Is there going to be a lot of grass between the ball and the club face? So I thought, you know, the ball is not going to make the, if he makes the fairway, it's a fluke. Uh, and if uh, and it, so it's going to be in the rough, either in the rough where I am, you know, some yards ahead, or in the rough on the other side of the fairway. But if you think about it, uh, why would I have played that shot now? You know that, that I'm saying that because the only thing you don't want to do is is to lose a stroke by not hitting it, i.e., hitting the third shot in the water. Mm. Third shot in the water, you know. Um, unless somebody who can open the water carries for you, it's going to be difficult to play that one. Um, so hitting it sideways, I'm thinking afterwards, you know, it's very, very likely that I would have had a better lie, you know, yes, and even yes, a slightly yes. better lie, it would not have been a problem then. I would have, first of all, and I would have also opened the angle to the green for the fourth shot because I was coming from the right hand side, which I had the bunker in the way the water and the out of bounds just on the left of the green was, you know, screaming at me. Uh, as of hitting it sideways, I would have recentered myself and be more mm. along the the, the 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 green line. So um, yeah, but you know it's uh, it's very easy. You know Monday morning quarterbacks are very good. 
and um, and uh, at the end of the day, I guess you you know you 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 do what what you can literally, and and you you know unless you do something or you go against something or you go against what you made or mm. then then you have to live with it. But at, at the end of the day, you know, I, you 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 still have to live with it, and and if you try to do the best that you can, maybe people are going to say, well, that's not enough. Well, yeah, <laughs> thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, you know, you, 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 you get on with it. And, and that's that. You know, when you're in your um, socks off and trousers rolled up and you're in the, the burn to have a look at the lie and everything. And I, I don't know if you've heard the Peter Alice commentary and he's like, oh my God, he's, he's lost his mind here. He's gone crazy. I kind of think, I, I would guess inside your head, you probably had lost, like my mind would be scrambled. I would be not thinking straight. How can no, you remember your, your thinking then or were you oh, pretty very clear? Well, it, yeah. it wasn't at all. I mean, you know, I knew that uh, before I took my shoes off, three quarter of the ball was, you know, uh, outside the, the waterline. So it is like playing a bunker shot, to be okay. honest. You don't care how high the face is in front of you. I, I would have hit it on the green 99 time out of 100 and if he wasn't on the green he would have been on the right bunker because i wouldn't have put the the, the out of ban out of play so a bit but, like uh, a bit like bill haas at, at atlanta a couple of years a ago bit like everybody shot, a bit yeah. like tiger woods a bit like peter laurie a bit like everyone uh, we've all been then we all hit a shot from there um okay. so you know the the, <laughs> the the funny thing was uh is that you know as i went in the water the, the the water is raising very, very quickly because you can, the ocean is right there. I mean, it's, you have the first hole and then a little stretch of land and then you have the ocean. And, and the water goes out like, like in a funnel, you know, it's like, it's like shooting in like in a bottleneck. So, so there's a lot of pressure coming up and, and the water comes up very, very quickly. Okay. And I remember Craig Parry, uh, you know, being on the edge and he says, oh, if you wait for some hours, the tide's going to go down, then you can play it. <laughs> So, and, and that's why I have that smile on my face. And when I turn and look at all the photographers who are on the right, I, I'm smiling even more because there's a human pyramid here. And still to this day, I don't know how they held one on top of each other. I thought that they were all going to finish with me in the water, Gosh. to be real honest. So that's why I was smiling. I wasn't smiling because I was in the water. Yeah. I was smiling because I thought, this is a disaster going to happen here. Was your head scrambled for the playoff? I don't remember the playoff very well. Yeah. I know I was. Yes, yes, it was because uh, I mean, you know, the the unfortunate thing is that the playoff didn't happen straight away. You know, it, we uh, it it took a while to you know sign the the scorecard, and then it's not like somebody took me and took me straight to the to the fifteenth hole. Uh, I went up. I, I changed my sweater because it was starting to rain, and I, and I was soaking. And and you know, they probably thought, hey, we're gonna give him a bit of time i don't know to gather his emotion or or, or to you know to, to collect his thing or whatever it was i don't know but it, it, it took a, a, a fraction of time to um to to do to to go there and and probably you know it was it was too much time and not enough time too much time because uh the, what you have in between your ears start to to process uh, what happened but not enough time because because the, the you know the the, what you're processing is is not you, you you're trying to you got all this information in your brain and as i say you know you're trying to understand but you're not giving enough time to to put it to rest so when i went out there i, I wasn't very it took me two or three, two holes to to get back into you know what i was here for 
and that was um, that was not that it was too late, but it it, it didn't give me a head start. That's for sure. Mm. I read the coolest thing. Twenty eighteen senior open. You need a caddy, and you say to Christoph Angiolini, "Do you want to come caddy for me again?" Yeah. Uh, which is which is so nice because. I think he was your caddy from, was it April 99? And then in August 99, you parted ways. And I read a quote from him. Yes. I don't know. How, so I wanted to put his quote to you where he was talking about, you know, the reason the relationship ended because everyone would say, well, it's got to be 99. He said, I don't think Jean is the one who made the decision to let me go. I think it was more the pressure from the media, his agent too. Each time he went to a major, he'd be asked, is it the same caddy as 99? It wasn't easy to manage to always face the same question, the pressure. Maybe he had a hard time. It was difficult to accept, but I wasn't mad at him. Is that the reason that yeah, relation? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the, 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 I, I want to set the record straight. I mean, I'm I'm a great friend with Christoph, even today. You know, we we still we still communicate uh, very often. Actually, wow. he uh, was, you know, at that level. Uh, when are you ever experienced? You know, everybody say, "Oh, you need a, an experienced caddy. You need this. You need that." Well, you know, it's a first time for everyone at one stage. And, and irrelevant of who you are. So sometimes you have two who are inexperienced. I mean, take Shane Laurie as his caddy, won a, won a major championship before they won the Open in, in Ireland. I, I don't think so. So, uh, you know, it's whatever, whatever the feed is, that, that's what is important. And, and you know, when it's, it's not like I, I was new on the tour and I, and I started the, the week before. I mean, I had been there for 10 years. And I had played in opens before that, and I had experience to play with big players, and I was leading tournaments, and I lost some, and I won some. So uh, it's uh, it's it's an accumulation. I think what 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 went on as well is that the attention. I I, I don't know if I if I let the people around me influence me uh, to to that extent. <clears throat> I I don't think I'm that type of character. Uh, having you know those. Uh, uh, those mermaids singing in your ear probably didn't help, but but a few things happened, you know, that, that I'm going to keep personal as well. Uh, after that, at the PGA Championship, for example, in America, at the BMW in, in Germany, happened on the course that that did not make me feel like like he had recovered from what happened. You know, there was uh, there was some some information that I that I wanted to get that that I didn't get, and and I didn't think that was. Uh, I, I didn't think that was very uh, that that again. That's what was I needed. So uh, so I decided. You know, it's. I think we should call it a break. It, it was not a punishment or whatever, but but I thought that everybody had to digest what happened yes. on on a different path and on a different course, and that doesn't mean that I wasn't talking to Christoph by any means. Uh, you know, I I took him there, and and again, you know, we talk quite often. Uh, and and we're still very good friends. I mean, we did a documentary together, and 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 Christoph is is a hell of a guy. Um, but again, you know, this this kind of thing can can either make you even closer, or they can kind of not break you. Yeah, yeah, but but put a little bit of distance. But for me, really and honestly, it's it is not because of what happened at the Open. You know, Christoph and has never been the one to be blamed. His blame has to be used as a word. Mm. You know, I'm I'm a big boy. I make my decision, and and I understood very early in my career 
that uh, it's, it's not the cat is fought at the end of the day. You know, you can imagine a shot, first of all, it's not a science, is you know, the club face can present to the ball with, with different angles and, and the ball can fly an extra five yards or it can go short uh, five yards and, and then you, 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 you're in for a run. Uh, but at the end of the day, the players take the decision, the players make the shot. And, and to be really honest, um, yes, the decision process has to be smart. If it's not, you know, you analyze it afterwards and you make decisions from there and you try to improve if you think there's room to improve. But at the end of the day, the, the player is responsible, responsible for what he does. And, and again, you know, what happened afterwards, I thought, hey, mate, you need to, to hold your, your, your side of the bargain here. You know, I, I can't do your job as well. That's not possible. You know, if I tell you from here, I need, a, I, I need a distance to there and whatever, and you tell me you don't have it, get it for tomorrow. Because if we're in the same position on the first round or second round or third round, I'm going to need that information. And the fact that you don't have it, and I'm asking you to have it, for example, I'll give an example here. You know, that's yes, not yes, what yes. happened, but I'm giving an example. Yes. Uh, that, 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 is, that is not what I want. So, yes, it was, um, uh, you know, this, this type of episode, no matter what, uh, leaves some traces. <laughs> There's no doubt, you know. And, and I have what, a big, big scar on my body. It, it, it's, it's not, I'm not happy that I have lost, to be really honest. I don't, I, I'd never play golf to lose. Yes. And how profound was the effect on you in those few years afterwards as you tried to continue playing? No, listen, the, the, the thing is, and that's what people never realized. Uh, I'm, I'm not a guy, we all have secrets, but I'm not a guy who, who, who holds things and, and, and try to hide. I, I never faked the, 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 the state level I was in mentally. You know, the following right. year, I played on tour on the PGA Tour. I finished 60th on the PGA Tour. I think I finished 13th on the European Tour, playing 11 tournaments, something like that. So okay. I played really, really okay. good golf. I, I, I finished second in, in Tahoe, uh, no, second in Tucson in America, my second start, I think. And then I lost in a playoff in, in Tahoe. So, uh, you know, I, yeah, I was playing real good golf. I think that the, the biggest thing that, that, that was difficult afterwards was September 11 in, in, in 201 and, and personal stuff. But, you know, that, that's part of life. That's, mm. what, uh, that's, what, um, that's what makes you. Peter, I'd, I'd, I'd put it to you. Uh, one of the things that always struck me about uh, Jean is that he handled that whole situation with such class like there was no bitterness there was no woe is me everybody feels sorry for me there was no kind of anger I, I thought it was an unbelievably classy reaction to the whole thing and even me bringing it up now you know I think a lot of sports people if I was to bring this up with them would be like oh for sure, yeah this this shit again okay okay this crap again and Jean here has talked about it for 15 20 minutes no problem and I'm not sure I would be that patient I I think you're dealing with the the, the quality of the person first of all and the quality in John but also the golfer in him as well um when when things happen like they did to Jean and and they've happened to other people in similar positions probably not as uh, as the same situation but as a golfer, you have to, you're always looking for what's going to happen next. You know, when it's over, either win, lose, and you don't like to lose, you love to win. But even when you do win, what's next? We're always searching for the next thing. And, and, and I think that's what Jean probably has done and, and, and handled that exceptionally well. 
moving on, moving away from it. And unfortunately, you do say it, it's, it's more the reporters want to find out and, and the journalists and all the rest. And they want to find out what has made him tick going forward. And that's why I've kept very quiet. Um, because not alone, uh, as a golfer, I feel uncomfortable, you know, chatting about it. Because you'd like to say, right, that was done there. Forget about it. We move on. And then, but as a reporter, and I know coming from an, 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 as an analyst, you want to find out, well, what can we learn from it? And what can people learn from mistakes that other people make that they might never make themselves again, or they've learned from a situation from somebody else. So, you know, it, it, it is... It is golf in its very nature that, you know, the, the, the high handicapper makes double on the last to lose the captain's prize. And, you know, the following couple of weeks, does he forget about it and move on? Yes. Um, so it, that's what it is. It's the, the golfer always wants to find out what's next, in my well, opinion. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, you, you're only as good as your next performance, to be really honest. So, but yeah winning winning an open or winning a major or winning any type of tournament anyway that's that's what we thrive for uh, or two and uh, and yeah what what happened there was was just incredible and and again you know what are the chances that I hit a, a million golf ball with my tour and you know leaning towards the right side where I knew exactly where the dropping zone was and 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 hitting that grandstand or, or just shaving that grandstand. I can probably hit 10 million shots before this thing is going to yeah. happen. So, yeah. you know, you can always beat yourself up. Oh, well, this is, I, this, this is not in me. So, you know, I can understand we've not made the same, but, you know, I, I, I tend to see, uh, I tend to go forward and, and to, and, and to take, as, as Peter said, the positive out of it. You know, if you look bluntly at what happened, I'm 150th, 30th in the, in the world ranking, fine. It, it, uh, but, uh, you know, I won on the tour. I've been there for 10 years and, and all of a sudden I played in, in different championships, uh, in different open and, uh, and I feel comfortable. And, and when I peak, uh, I can outplay anybody in the world on, on one of the most difficult courses in the world. Well, what did I tell you? Am I going to concentrate on the fact that I, that I hit a piece of metal and, and I made, you know, a bad judgment on the third shot uh, at the speed that it's going, or am I going to concentrate on the first 70 first holes and think if I get myself in this position another 10 times, I think I'll be winning 10 times. Yes. Um, so it, it kind of gives you the comfort and, and not, not so much comfort is not the right word, but it, it kind of gives you a validation that you can play at that level. And and that's and that's a bigger thing that anybody can take away from that. Yeah. You know, I, see, I, I was leading up to two. So uh, people say you choked. And I have buddy, I choked. I leading up to two, up to seventy-one, I'm still leading. If I would have choked, it would have been between all <laughs> thirty-seven and seventy-one. Well, without any doubt. I would have thrown it away and nobody would have, you know, been shouting right, left, and center because oh, you're so far in our ranking, there's more experienced player, whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah. So that that's 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 the truth of the reality there, and and that is what I'm taking away with me. Mm. That's a very fair point. When you went to Brookline, the Ryder Cup in '99, 
was were, were the fans shouting at you about the Open? Was that like the Van de Velde thing, or were they out? Because that, that was a pretty raucous Ryder Cup, wasn't it? Yeah, it's, it's come back even a few weeks before that when I went to the PGA and they, they dropped us there on the you know on the area next to the clubhouse. Uh, I, I did not move for for over an hour. For I, I stepped out of the car and and I had a human wave uh, came straight at me and surrounded me and has Paul McGillney arrived in the following car basically 20 minutes later and and basically he probably played nine holes and I was still on the same spot. So <laughs> with re- reporters yeah. or fans or no everyone? no with with only fans with only wow. only only golfers yeah only fans and then and then Brookline yeah but you know the Ryder Cup is very different I mean sure. it, it's a confrontation between America I mean the PGA Tour and the European Tour however you want to put it doesn't matter so it's very partisan it's very one side uh, yeah I heard a few things that was not very pleasant but you know <laughs> I've been around a few times. <laughs> I mean, I've been, I've been to school when I was a kid, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that doesn't, that didn't bother me whatsoever. Ten the funny me- thing is, I was playing with David Love, and somebody said something quite outrageous on the second hole. He, he was, he was about to put his tee bag on the ground, and he turned around and he walked to the full the, the crowd. He actually walked in the crowd and he shouted, "Who said that?" a couple of times, and he said, "I dare you to say that again." Or, or and he was fuming. Fuming. Someone who had said some. Someone who had said something about you. Yeah. And he went. Oh wow. Yes. Yes. And I said, "Thanks for for taking my side, Davis." But it's okay. You don't have to worry. He said, "No. Uh, You know, I don't care." Um, No, he's he's a real gentleman. Wow. What a great guy to do that. Jeez, I'd never heard that story. I'd never heard that story before. There's a lot of story you haven't heard. (laughs) Well, I'm sure Peter. Peter tries to tell us a few sometimes. one last question. They don't listen to me, John. Well, the lawyers, the lawyers. <laughs> I'm sure they do. <laughs> uh, you and certainly Andrew Coulthard, and I think maybe Jarmo Sendelin, uh, you yes. obviously didn't play the first couple of days, and then on Sunday, mm-hmm. boom, in you go. Uh, good decision, bad decision. Were you okay with that? Was it was it understandable? Where were you on well, that? I, I, I think I expressed my views uh, uh, on the on a very large scale about that. And uh, no, I, I I do believe that's uh, you know, but that's that's my view, and that's that's not the right thing to do for for a couple of reasons. First of all, uh, the guy who plays in the Ryder Cup have earned the right to be in the Ryder Cup. So unless they're really playing extremely poorly. Um, I think it's always better to uh, to have everybody uh, playing straight away, and and because also uh, it's hard to perform when you when you're thrown in on on Sunday, you haven't played the course, you haven't been reacting to the crowd, and and for many other reasons. Another point is, if if you look at Friday and Saturday format, on, on you have um, you have four four groups of two on on Saturday morning, let's say Friday morning. That's eight players, eight players out of the 12 that you take. So you, you use eight players for four points. So basically you use 16 players for eight points. You use 32 players in two days for 16 points. And the last round, you use 12 of them for 12 points. Which of the three days has the most added value? Well, it is the last day. So what you can think as well, if, if you throw two youngsters or, or two rocky together, and then the losing, you only lose a point, and and you know, and and it's not like they they are going to lose automatically. They know how to play golf. Is there so you lose one point, but they've been in the pit 
and they they had a taste of what it is and and they probably got beaten it doesn't matter but uh, again you know that's that's maybe your pride is going to bring you out of it saying hey the next one is not going to happen this way i'm not going to be intimidated i'm not going to let the crowd affect me i'm not going to this i'm not going to that so you know i i made it very clear through the the tournament committee and and you know after that the, the press got got involved in it but it wasn't meant to be a personal attack. I, I always thought that that is not the right thing to do, uh, especially uh, especially in a team, and especially needed any everybody to play on Sunday. And I can only say, you know, you, 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 we can all have different opinions, but ever since it has it has not happened. So you know, maybe I was right, maybe I was wrong, but in any other Ryder Cup that we've seen since then. Everybody has played before the Sunday. Everyone. Pearl, you got Davis Love. Pearl, Andrew Coldhart, Tiger Woods. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, Tiger for Andrew. But, I mean, Davis, I saw the you know, well, first time Davis very well. But he's the one who had the best record that year in 1999 at Brookline. It's okay. five out of five. And, and <laughs> in, in what, you know, in what style? And I was like, I think I was two under playing, playing nine. And, 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 you know, I was two or three behind. And I was oh. like, all right, well, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a nice journey. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was in the pub, but I mean I had two or three birdies on the front line, whatever it was. I mean it's but hey, that's golf and, and at the end of the day, you know, that that's a, that's another thing with the Ryder Cup. Ryder Cup Ryder Cup is is uh, is an amicable contest between between two sides of, of players. And and we gotta remember that we play for pride. That's the only thing we play for. Uh, and we play to promote the game of golf. So, you know, nobody likes to be beaten too often. The European got beaten for a long stretch. And then in the, in the 80s and in the late 70s, 80s, we, we kind of open up to, uh, to the continental players. And then, the, you know, then it shifted. But it's like the yin and the yang. He goes one way and he goes the other. Uh, of course, the American and the American press, it did not like that too much. And, and they built it to an extreme where we saw Kiwa Island, first of all. And then the, the, the top of the top was, um, was probably Brookline in 99, where, mm. where he went too far. And, and everybody, every, every player realized, hey, 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 hold on, hold on. We need to get a grip on that yes. and, well, and, and really show what we want to show. The, the players don't like it. Me as the fan, bring back Kiwa. Bring back Brookline. I want it all. <laughs> I love it. I want the war. <laughs> no, but I'm telling you one thing. I'm very happy for, for the partisan side. But, it, you know, there's, there's, a, there's values of golf. And this is why I think it's such a tremendous sport. You know, you, 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 still, you still need to have a lot of respect for the other. You need, you need to give him a fair chance to, mm. you know, to, to play to whatever and and yeah having somebody shouting and, and booing you when you miss I, I can do with that I have no problem you know uh being spat on the face and and whatever uh mm. I, I think that's okay that's, that's not what you want I didn't realize it was that bad okay well it went very bad in Brookline I mean I wasn't but uh uh quite a few people in our entourage uh did and, and but the, the problem was not so much that you know I'm I'm not throwing the thing because he was in America or because he was in Europe. There was a lot of factors, you know, and, mm -hmm. and one of them is seriously when you open the gate at six thirty, and you start uh, opening all the bars at six thirty as well. And come twelve o'clock or one o'clock, 
uh, and and sometimes you know the inhibition comes down and and you, and you go the, the the extra mile. So uh, again, I no hard feeling. It's yes. just that you know you 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 want to find the right balance for for everybody to have a, a great time, but more importantly, not to lose the perspective of what we are doing here, and 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 never lose sight of that. You know, yeah. it's sport, and we want people to see them fight and to see them. But at the end of the day, you know, you win, you lose. You look at the other, you shake his head, and you say, "Well done, mate." And for me, it has to be done in in a certain way, in a certain manner. And and if we we lose sight of that, I think we will lose sight of what golf is about. Yeah, you know, we we are responsible for our own scoring. We 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 give ourselves penalty stroke. Where do you see that? Which other sport do you see? That? I know. You go in the rough. You step on the ball. Nobody sees you. You turn around and tell your playing partner, "This is what happened." So you know, this this has to continue. This legacy of the game has to continue. Hmm. Sorry, been, I'm speaking too much. No, it's. I was just about to say we've taken <laughs> we've taken up loads of your time. It's been so great chatting with you. Your English is excellent, by the way. I didn't realize. I mean, you're. <laughs> It's, it's so good. Did you, you, where you got your English as a, as a child, I would think, if you're speaking yeah. that well. Yeah, wow. Well, 25 years on tour, what do you, what do you think? I mean, okay. they, they, you know, the, the tour didn't change the regulation and say, oh, we're going to do it all in French this year. <laughs> it, it, it did not happen. No, but yeah, I, I learned it as a child and then I learned it on, on the yeah. road. And, you know, and if you want to understand a guy like Peter when he speaks, I mean, you need to. You need to. <laughs> uh, he curses well in French, though. Don't worry. As well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, listen, it's been so enjoyable chatting to you. I just really enjoyed that conversation so much. It was great. Peter, was there any question you didn't get a chance to ask Jean that no, you wanted to throw Why did you come away? to Ireland? That's all I want to know, Jean. Will it have a four ball or something like that? Anytime. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm well ahead of you in age, but I'm, I'm thinking that... Uh, I'm... No, you're not too far ahead of me. No, no, no. I'm 47 now. Exactly, I'm 55, so you'll never catch yeah. me. I can promise you that. But I, I, <laughs> yeah. I think uh, you you're know, not getting the shot better. anyway. That's for sure. <laughs> well, I will. No, I don't need the shot. I play from the front tee now, so I don't oh. care. <laughs> <laughs> no but I'm becoming, I'm be, I becoming to to the Irish uh, and the, the you know the the Paul McGinnis tournament probably, very probably the Irish yeah. Senior Open. Oh so, great! Uh, oh you super! Know, let's let's hope yeah. that. Uh, that the restriction lights up a little bit because the last thing I want to do is is be in a bubble and be in a hotel on my own and I didn't know my, that that is um, I don't think that's going to happen. No. <laughs> well, we're, we're we're getting there. Everybody's Peter's getting his vaccination today, so we're moving along. Good. Yeah. Three o'clock. Oh, great. great. Yeah. yeah. Good yeah, luck with that. Good. What's your what are your Have you played much golf in Ireland? What are your two or three favorite courses? We'll finish on that point. Oh wow! I mean. It, it, to be really honest, it's hard to say. For me, the, the first experience that I had in, in Port Monarch in 1980, uh, 1989, it was July, was an eye-opener. I, I, I realized that I was far, far, far from even being being called a, a golfer. <laughs> and, and no, I mean, really, I mean, playing those conditions and, and then, you know, you, again, you can let it hurt you or you can, you can try to find ways to... Uh, to try to play on links courses in those conditions, in the wind, in the rain, in whatever you want. So uh, at, the, at the end of the day, you know, that gave me the energy and, and my favorite courses now are links courses. So anything that is that is close to links courses and you find in Ireland is, you know, I'm not going to name one over another one. I've always loved to come there. I always love the people. I always love the food. I always love going to the pub. Uh, I always love the 
the knowledge the crowd has, and that is not going to change. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward, actually, to go back to Ireland. Great. Where is the Seniors Open on? I hadn't heard about that. The Senior Open is in... Uh, in you mean the senior, the Irish? I, I don't know. It's a course I don't know, to be really honest. Okay. So, uh, I'll have Do you to know, Peter? It again. No. Okay, must check it out. Must check it out. <laughs> I must check that out. Sean, I, if you're over, I'll meet you. I'll send you a text and we'll meet up. Okay. Yeah, I will, I will tell you. If I, if I come, I'll send you a text and I'll tell you I'm, I'm coming and where I'll be. Perfect. Okay. I, I look forward to that, Peter. Jean van der Velde, I have to say, such a pleasure. So enjoyable. Thank you so much again. Thank Cheers, you so Sean. much for your time and thank you so much for inviting me. Oh.